welcome along to this week's episode of Behind the Boxes. I've got to tell you, we've got a massive show for you coming up. We've had a huge weekend in Sydney town. We've got feature races galore. And as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, although we don't do crime, Timmy the Battler, New Bowlers with us. Hey, Battler, big weekend, as I said, in Sydney on Saturday. You had the Tab Managers Forum where all the big guns from GRNSW presented it, along with uh, Wade Birch and Matt Tutt from GWE. Yeah, g'day, Duke. Yeah, it was a big weekend. The Club Managers Forum at Wentworth Park on Saturday, then the Greyhound of the Year on Sunday. But yeah, you're right. We had all of the big guns at Greyhound Racing New South Wales, Tony Mestroff, our CEO, Wayne Billet, COO, uh, and the guys from marketing and commercial and media all present to uh, all of the club managers and, and directors and some directors from uh, some of the clubs. In Sydney at Whitworth Park on Saturday, there was plenty of robust discussion, uh, discussion talking about all of the industry issues, but it happens once a year and it's, it's, uh, it's beneficial to all involved. So it was a, a really, really good day, uh, a number of topics on the table and uh, yeah, uh, it, it will happen once a year. And, and then as I, as I alluded to, backed up by the following day, uh, the Greyhound of the Year, Duke. Yeah, two runs in two days for some of you boys. I was fresh on Sunday, so I was good, but... Hey, that was a big, big day. We're going to talk about that later in, in the program, but uh, Greyhound of the Year Awards, the first one we've had for seven years, we had to get through a stack of awards. Um, and just quickly, you know, to, to see people like uh, Johnny Hartley from, from Wagga get the Volunteer of the Year Award, uh, Glenn Midson, Greg Hoare and Patrick Day being recognised for their efforts during the bushfires. And of course, our two Alan Wheeler medal uh, winners in Paul Ambrosoli and Teddy Doss. It was, Duke. It was a great day for the industry. Uh, there was a lot of really happy people there on Sunday, just enjoying each other's company, not being on a racetrack, sitting down, having a meal, having a drink, and then watching all of those awards go to such deserving people. And, and, and you just mentioned, you know, guys like John Hartley, Volunteer of the Year, and, and Glenn, Patrick, and Greg Hall, who'd done an amazing job uh, during that time with all of the, the bushfires down on the south coast here in New South Wales. So all in all, a, a great day. Um, I think we all enjoyed ourselves. It's just great to see people in a, in a social capacity, sitting back, uh, just, uh, you know, celebrating our industry. Yeah, it's the first time in a long while we've been able to do it for obvious reasons. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to continue with our Greyhound of the Year awards probably around February or March next year for the 2021 award winners. Okay, one man who has made a huge name for himself in the last couple of years here in Greyhound Racing in New South Wales is a gentleman by the name of Andrew Bell. Look at most race meetings and you'll see the name A. Bell behind a stack of dogs that are engaged to race. And I'm so happy to say that he joins us as our special guest here on Behind the Boxes this week. Andrew Bell, New South Wales Trainer of the Year. Mate, that's got a nice ring to it. Oh, yes, certainly does. Tell me, tell me how thrilled you were. I spoke to you at length on, I think it was Monday night. We had a, a long chat, but you, you said basically you woke up on, on Monday morning and, and you had to ask Deb, your wife, if it actually happened. Yeah, very much so. It, it absolutely blew me away at the time. I, I had no idea that it was going to happen. Um, I think I told you the story. I just had a big mouthful of chocolate cake when they were announcing the award and, and then they said my name and I nearly spat the cake right across the room. So <laughs> I was that shocked. I was that shocked. And then I'm thinking like I got chocolate cake all between me. <laughs> so I, I was so shocked and, and very, very honoured. 
again, mate, it's something that I, I, I've hosted so many of these awards and to some people, they, they do get a lot of them. And, and I guess for some, it becomes sort of second nature. I could see the genuine excitement and I guess the genuine honour uh, in your face and talking to you and Deb and Jess on the day that, that it really did blow you away, mate. Oh, very much so. Like I said, it, I, I had no idea that it was going to happen. And like I'm sitting in the room and like Steve Cavan is sitting beside me and Jason Mackay up there and, you know, Frank Hurst and all, all the legends of the sport. And, and to put my name in amongst all of those guys, it was just, it was such an honour. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning, mate. You grew up in Penrith. Mum and dad had dogs. You mucked around with them for a while. Uh, you gave the dogs away and you spent 25 years in the mines. You worked upstairs. You were responsible for 80 men and women who were working underground in the mines. Tell us about your time in, in that industry. Yeah, that's correct. We, we moved to Mudgee when I was about 12 year old. My parents had the dogs before that and we, we had dogs while we were in Mudgee. Uh, had a bit of success in Mudgee with the dogs and I trained a couple when I was 17 or 18 year old and then we sort of, I got the job at the mines and it was just too hard to put 100% into the dogs and keep work and shift work so I ended up giving the dogs away but I loved dogs all my life. I've, I've always had a plan that when I was 65 I was going to retire and just train a couple of greyhounds and and that was always the plan. When I got to about 47, 48 year old I thought you know what? It's not all about money. Um, I want to do something that I enjoy doing. Um, so I retired from the mines and and decided to train greyhounds. I started. I moved to a little place called Bogabri. Um, trained about seven or eight dogs there. We raced at the gardens a lot. Had a fair bit of success the first year, and then the opportunity came to move to Sydney and and make it a full time gig. And we sold the property at Bogabri and moved the whole family down here and yeah there was there was nothing to go back to so we had to make it work and when we when we got here I brought the 10 dogs that we had from from Bogabri down here and they were just sort of bush dogs and we raced at Richmond against the Finns and the Magris and and whatnot and we really struggled to win a race it was so hard and and then in the first month I thought oh I think I've done the wrong thing but we had nowhere to go and had nowhere to go back to so we just stuck it out and, and yeah we got um our first couple of winners and that sort of changed the the thought for us and we reinvested that money into a couple of better dogs and then yeah slowly but surely got rid of the 10 dogs that we had and just got better class of dogs and yeah here we are with 150 dogs now so Andrew do you put anything down to the success you're having now was it the reinvesting in other dogs and getting a few other better dogs and and and, and doing it that way is that is there one little moment or one thing you've done to to put you where you are now that you can go back and you think geez I'm glad we did that oh very much so it was very important for us to um reinvest into better dogs and keep that flow going you, you got to keep investing in in other better dogs to keep keep the success going and with the grading the way that it is you've got to sort of um buy dogs that are, are gonna you know succeed in the grading and and once they sort of outgrade themselves you know it's time to find another one a younger one or whatever so yeah that's that's pretty much the key 
you've had a lot of success uh, buying ready-made race dogs. You bought a lot from Andy Lord, uh, collecting model, cop magnet. They're just two of those. Uh, magnet's flying at the moment. Yeah, he goes good. He's only a little boy, but he, he does go good. Um, yeah, and we have bought a lot of ready-made dogs. And look, we've got got some bitches there now that we want to breed out of and we've got some pups on the ground that have just been broken in so yeah over the last couple of years we've invested in in that as well so we can have our own breed and and start from there but it was because we didn't have pups we had to basically buy ready-made race dogs and Andrew you, you really you've mentioned the breeding and you're really up the ante what probably two two and a half years ago uh you got a, a bitch named uh, Irinka Hope off Jack Smith. Now uh, you had a Fernando Bale Irinka Hope litter, which is on the ground. And uh, then you purchased Irinka Leanne for the sole purpose of, of breeding. And, and uh, you actually went to Flying Ricardo and that was the first bitch which uh, he served, uh, Flying Ricardo. So you sort of, you really up the ante a couple of years ago and now you, the, the pups are, you know, beginning to, to hit the racetrack. Yeah, very much so. And, and the Flyer Mercado thing, like when you look at stud dogs, they're all fast dogs and it's very hard. There's a lot of them out there. You don't know which ones to choose. But when I was at Dapto one night, I watched that dog and you were there, Timmy. Yeah. That, that when he came up to Simon told Helen and he gave him a little shoulder and, and blew him away, I said, I've got to have pups out of that dog. He is a machine. He, he is the real deal. And then when he went to stud, unfortunately, it was earlier than it should have been but when he went to stud it just so happened that Leanne came on season at that time and I rang straight through to Sam and Christy and said I want to I want to get this flying Ricardo litter like and she she was all for it we were all for it so yeah fortunately we're the first litter by flying Ricardo there's five little puppies there and they are absolutely beautiful and what are they about four or five months old at the moment Billy yeah about five months old now yeah yeah Hey, Billy, I just want to ask you about the property. I, I know it's a, it's a huge uh, operation that you've got there. Tell us how many dogs you've got in work, how many, how many pups are there, and, and tell us about the team that you've got around you, including your wife, Deb. Yeah, we, we always have about 50 in work, uh, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more. We've got about 80 to 100 pups, you know, ranging from little ones right through to break-ins. Um, the team involves sort of my wife, Debbie, and me. And then we've got the five kids. There's Jess, Tennille, Kira, Dan, and Ian. And then Jess's partner, Corey, lives here with us as well. And, um, yeah, everybody does their little bit. And without them, we couldn't do what we do. Billy, we see you with yeah, yeah, multiple dogs in at meetings, sometimes two meetings a day. Oh, you must really run a tight ship to get it the planning that goes into what you guys do it actually it's mind-boggling to really get your head around it for someone like me who's not into right into the training side of things and the race programming and everything like that you you must really run a tight ship and 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 have all the plans in place for the week week ahead yeah it's very much like that it starts on a sunday night basically i I draw out a schedule of where the dogs are going to race where we're going and like, not many people put that sort of thought into what, what goes on to it. They think you just turn up at the races and win races or go into races, but there is a lot more to it than that. And we've got to like work out how many dogs can fit in the van to go to that meeting that day. So you've got to nominate just the right amount, but hopefully they get a draw and whatnot. So yeah, and we have the beauty of having Jess and Corey and that here, they can, they got licenses and they can drive the van. So 
we have a couple of vans and a couple of trailers so we can be at two meetings at the one time so yeah it starts on a Sunday night but every night I'm up till one or two o'clock in the morning nominating dogs and you know but I do have I do have a schedule at the start of the week yeah what does it mean to you to have the kids involved in such a capacity you know it's it seems like you know there's an all very tight-knit group and and having the kids follow you and and deb and what you guys are doing oh very much so i couldn't do it without them um but each pe- each person knows that they have a job to do and if they don't do that job we don't have success it's as simple as that and and as i said there's no going home to somewhere else this is our home now this is our life the dogs pay for everything for what we do. We don't get any money from anywhere else. It's only what the dogs earn. So everybody here knows if we want to eat or we want to live, then it's the success that comes from the dogs. So everybody's got to do their job and they've got to do it well. I'm, I'm pretty particular in what I do and, and I'm pretty strict in what I do. But um, yeah, they're all, all following along pretty good. And Belly, it, you know, it's having so many dogs in work and that it's nearly impossible for you to put your hand on each of those dogs in great detail. So you do employ the services of one of our leading vets in John Neal, who comes and helps you out and checks your dogs over for you as well. Yeah, that's correct. He comes every couple of weeks and checks all the dogs over. And it's a, a big day, I can tell you that. And he's earned his dollars worth by the time he leaves. <laughs> but um my advice to people is like if if the dog's going good and it's winning races there's not a lot going to be wrong with it but you know if the dog's not going good well that's sort of where you need somebody to look look at them over and and see what's going on with them and if and we've got to the stage where you know john checks them and if there's nothing wrong physically then maybe we do a blood test and see how their internals are and whatnot so and listen, you're very keen on expanding uh, syndication. Uh, you've got a few private syndicates uh, with dogs that you've got at the moment, but we've got new licensing, which should come into play uh, early next year. You see that as a, a massive way forward for trainers like yourself. Oh, very much so. I can't wait till we get all that sorted properly so that we can really, I just think there's a, a market out there for the younger generation to be involved in greyhound racing. I get numbers of calls every day of people wanting to be involved in it, and it is a little bit hard. And and I think if we can simplify it a bit and and get people involved, like we get a whole new market out there of the younger people. It's what this industry needs. When I first got back into the dogs, there is a lot of older type people in the industry, but there is some young ones showing interest. So we need them to come through to to put this forward. Greyhound racing's in in an amazing position it is just growing and growing and growing and we 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 are so lucky to be a part of it but we want it to go forward from here and we need those younger generation involved so yeah i'm really looking forward to that part of it hey battler when you asked belly about you know a tight run ship when i was talking to him the other night i said mate what time can you come on and do the podcast? And, and mate, I am a little bit OCD. I have to agenda my day out so I don't miss anything. And Belly goes, okay, so the first race is at 3.30. Kenneling shuts at 2.40. We've got to be there by 2 o'clock. We're going to leave here by that. We're going to have the dogs in the van. We've got to finish morning dogs. It was like it was just off the top of his head. He knew exactly what he had to do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. As I said, my, you, 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 thinking about what you need to do at each time to get to the racetracks and the, the planning that goes into it, you can't, it can't be underestimated. Belly, you've had a, 
like you've had another good year, another great year, I should say. You had 170 winners in 2020. And here we are getting late November. You've had 235 winners uh, this year already. It must give you great satisfaction when you when you see those results. Oh, very much so. And, and like I said earlier, when we first came down here, it was so hard to win a race. So I'm thankful for every race that I win. People think you just turn up at the race and you win all these races, but I am so thankful because it is so hard to win a race. It doesn't matter if it's at Lithgow or Richmond or Wentworth Park. It's bloody hard to win a race anywhere. And that's why if I get beat, I am the first person in the catch and pen to walk up to the, the winner of the race and shake their hand because I know how hard it is. And the satisfaction that you get from being the trainer is that you think to yourself, well, I looked after this dog all week. I've, I've nominated it at this track and I've, I've fed what I've fed him, how I've looked after him. And I've got this dog to win a race. It, it, it's a satisfaction that you can't like match with anything else. It, it is a tremendous feeling. Do you still remember your first winner, Belly? My first winner was actually, when I got back into it, I had a dog called Zipping Harry. I bought off the Hallinans and, and um, Jason McCoy actually trained him for me. So he was my first winner when I got back into it, but I didn't actually train it. My first winner was a dog called Flatlined I purchased off Mick Hardman. Um, funny story. And then, yeah, I still remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, very important to me. Billy, I just want to ask you, is there anything that you see in the industry now that you would like to, you would like us to do better? Is, is there something that you think, I know the grading's always contentious and that, but for me on this side, I don't think Greyhound Racing in New South Wales has ever been going better. Is that something that, that you also vindicate to? I think the most important part for us at the moment with, with this industry is that we keep that, uh, the look for the public, at the top level of what we've been doing. We had so many people up against us that were didn't really understand what this sport was about. I think the way we've conducted ourselves now and into the public eye, they're seeing a totally different greyhound industry. So I think that's important that we keep, you know, a good, a good profile there, um, keep our injury rates down, um, safer tracks. And yeah, the grading's just, there's never going to be a perfect grading system, but I'm pretty happy with the way that it is at the moment. Billy, congratulations on what you've achieved in such a short space of time. Uh, good luck moving forward, mate. We'd love to see you with that big smile on your face training winners. Yeah, thank you guys. Andrew Bell there on this week's episode of Behind the Boxes. We're going to take a short break and come back with Lots, lots more after this. Welcome back to Behind the Boxes. Great to chat with Andrew Bell there. As I said, we've got a stack of stuff to get through. Battler, we mentioned the Greyhound of the Year Awards at the top of the show. Flying Ricardo took out Greyhound of the Year for 2020. But as I said, we recognised all of those award winners. We had Dam and Sire, along with Trainer and Greyhound of the Year for each of the years that had been missing, uh, flying Ricardo, worthy winner, now it started and kicking goals. Yeah, and I think it was very important for you to go back and recognise those previous years. You know, we were meant to have it in 2015 and that got cancelled and then we haven't held it for the last uh, number of years. But I think it was very, very important 
and going back, and it was great actually going back and watching uh, a number of replays from, you know, 2014 through to 2019. Some very worthy winners. As you said, Flying Ricardo, he probably picked himself as far as the Greyhound of the Year for 2020. We all know what he did during that year. I'll tell you what, good odds, Harada. Uh, it was great to see him awarded Greyhound of the Year for 2019, Duke. And just going through the Greyhounds he beat for that particular year was Feral Frankie, Blue Moon Rising, Zipping Bailey. I would dare say 2019 would have been one of the strongest years in the history of the Greyhound of the Year Awards. Yeah, and it's great to see him still racing. I, I, could, I was talking with Frankie and Trace on, on Sunday and you know, they had beaming smile. That was the thing I think that I got most out of the day, right? And I could see everyone from, from my vantage spot hosting the gig. Um, it was just the smiles, mate. And everyone you spoke to is so buoyant about what GRNSW is doing at the moment. And, and as I said, I think, you know, for guys like Tony Mestroff and, and you know, Nikki Babos and, and the rest of the exec team at GRNSW, they'd never, they'd never been part of this for an industry uh, awards night like that and or afternoon. They were actually blown away by the response from the participants, mate. Yeah, it was. I, I agree. It, there were smiles all around the room uh, celebrating our industry. And that's what it's about, Duke. And it's great to see it was back on the uh, table this year. And from now on, we'll, we'll hold the function each and every year. And, and hopefully we get bigger and better uh, each time. But uh, as you said, yeah, it, it's the first time those guys have been involved uh, in Greyhound of the Year Awards. You and I have been to a stack of them over the years and, and you know, the likes of Wayne Billet as well. But it's good to see how happy they were and how pleased they were with the industry, uh, with the, the awards. And, and David, as you said, they, I don't think there were not too many unhappy people in the room, Duke. There was plenty of very, very happy uh, people. As you said, the smiles, like yeah, all in all, uh, a great day. Chica Destacata, Poco Dorado, she was a, a Greyhound of the Year, uh, both of those Greyhounds, but then Chica, she, she won a, a couple of Dam of the Year. So, yeah, it was fantastic to, to go back and celebrate some of those great Greyhounds over the past, what, seven or eight years. Yeah, and as I mentioned, the two Alan Wheeler medal winners, uh, Teddy Goss, who is now, I think, 95. I interviewed him last week. I think it was his birthday on the weekend. At 95 years of age, still a sharpest attack, right, and, and responsible for, for the Austin line, obviously, uh, a worthy recipient. PA, uh, obviously, retired in 2014. You, you sort of grass-cut him, took his gig at Sky. That was great. <laughs> yeah. uh, PA was in great form, and, and again, it was nice to, to see him, and nice to see him actually relax at a function because for yeah. so many of him, of so many of them that he's done, he's actually, you know, he's been the host. So it was, it was great for me to see him. He was only a couple of metres away from me. Uh, and, and again, he was, he was in fine form, mate. He sure was. And uh, yeah, we had a good chat um, when all the official uh, awards were, were handed out after, after the function. And uh, yeah, he was, he was very, very chuffed to uh, uh, receive that award. He, he had no idea it was coming, no idea it was coming. Uh, and, there was a bit of a tear in his eye. Don't worry about that. I think he was blaming something else in his eye. Like he's, you know, oh, I've got my eyes are watering. But yeah, when I was having a good chat to him, I think he had a bit of a tear in the eye. And it, you know, he's the greatest, you know, the greatest greyhound. With all due respect to all greyhound race callers in history, PA stands at the top by oh. panels. The greatest greyhound caller I've ever seen, will ever see. And uh, yeah, great to see him recognised. Uh, in retirement, um, 
he's enjoying it. I'm, I've got to go out and catch up with him soon. We're going out to go, go and have a coffee and, and whatnot. And no doubt that'll, in, instead of being about half an hour, catch up, it'll probably be about three hours. You know what exactly, PA's mate. like. Yeah. <laughs> There's never a short phone call with PA, mate, is there? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it was fantastic to see PA and Ted recognise uh, taking out the Alan uh, Wheeler medals. And uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, as, as I said, Duke, all in all, it was a fantastic day. Looking forward, looking forward to it next year. Yeah, and if you go to thedogs.com.au, uh, our website, if you go to the Facebook, you'll see stacks of photos. All the award winners as well are all up on the social streams. Let's talk racing battle last Thursday night at Dabdo. It was the sports bet distance, uh, middle distance championship, I should say. Zipping the Seco 225 when they jumped. Ice cream story at 360. I'm explosive, the eventual winner. Backed for an absolute stack. Uh, Basia Bale out of Explosive Madam, a little sister to Explosive Venom, Nitroglycerin, uh, highly explosive. Hey, Bamba, she kicked off her career in New South Wales. It took her 13 starts to break a maiden, which she did when she ran a flying 30 and 33 at Ipswich. She ran second in the Darwin Cup earlier this year. This was an emotional victory, but. Sure was. And yeah, she's well-traveled, but trained by Robert Ayres, uh, but handled uh, on the evening and in the, the week prior by Troy Robinson, who's based in Newcastle. And uh, it was a very emotional win for Troy. Uh, he, he, he's uh, lost his dad and he, he got to know Robert through his dad, John. And uh, yeah, it meant a hell of a lot to Troy. I, I caught up with him after the race and yeah, uh, it was very emotional. Uh, it, it was just an honour, he said, to be involved uh, with the Greyhound over a, a couple of weeks. As you said, well tried. I think it was around 25 to 1 into around 5 or $6. Straight to the top, ran 34-31 leading all of the way, Duke. Uh, just ran them into the ground. Ice cream story in finishing second. She was outstanding. Her run was terrific. Zipping Niseko, the favourite, was a bit unlucky. Um, but there's no doubt, um, look, uh, she'll go up to these 700 metres soon and probably take at the big races. Uh, around the traps, but yeah, all in all, a competitive race, uh, but it was all honest, or I'm explosive. Yep, and then on Friday afternoon, we had four heats of the Group 3 Casino Cup take place. The heat winners were Mitchell Street for Tommy Savalas in 27.65, Lucky Lance for Rob Ayres, 27.55, Fire Legend makes another group race final, heat clock 27.74, but all honours on the day went to Stevie Kavanagh's Lewis Rumble, 2707. Thank you very much. 1208 down the back. Seriously, Battler, that is as if you are tied to the arm. They don't go any quicker than that. Uh, Lewis draws box seven in the final. He's now had 40 starts for 22 wins. I don't know what you were thinking about. Like, I've always said he was a lead pin. He's only missed the start once <laughs> in his last 12 starts. However, <laughs> here's a fact for you. Box seven is the only box that he hasn't oh. won from, and he wears the black on Thursday afternoon. We are recording this show on Wednesday morning. He draws box seven in the final. Oh, he was just outstanding. Second quickest time ever recorded at Casino, just outside the record. Oh, he's a lead pinger for sure, as we discussed in this show. Last I saw Cam on Sunday. <laughs> so nice. I did too. He didn't, he didn't say too much. We no. had a good chat, actually, but he didn't mention it. You're not filthy on me. He's filthy on you. Oh, I'll turn it up. Well, I've, I've cleared that up. Yeah. I've cleared that up, but no, he, Duke, I'll tell you what, he's probably, there wouldn't be a greyhound going any better than him oh. at the moment in New South Wales. No way in the world, mate. That high speed he's got, and he, he's just, 
He's nailing the jump and they just can't hold on to him early. As you said, that, that second section was out of this world. Um, yeah, it hasn't won by it from box seven, but if it all, if, if he does begin, he'll be just charging down the outside. Uh, if he goes to the top, well, they basically can't run him down running those times in front. Uh, he's a deserved favourite. Uh, Got to make mention of Fire Legend, as you alluded to. Another big race final. Yeah. How good of a greyhound is he? Wouldn't you just love to have one like him in the backyard? He's had 84 starts, 34 wins and, and 27 minors. I, I, I've lost count of how many big race finals he's made. Mark Maroney's done an amazing job with him all the way through his career. He's well drawn down nearer to the inside in box number three. Does want the rails. Uh, 27.74 in his, in his heat. He will need to improve time-wise, but he'll be better for a run around the track. So he, he's got an undeniable chance. It is a competitive final, but Lewis, he, he's a deserved favourite, too. Yeah, Aston Titan, who draws uh, box eight. I was talking to Cookie. Cookie was filthy. He runs 27.34 getting beat, uh, <laughs> which would have won any of the other three heats. But he draws box eight. He, he, look, he's a greyhound that will get a nice run if Lewis steps uh, because Lewis will want to head across to the fence. Um, so you and I will actually be there today, even though we're recording it yesterday, Wednesday. It's so very Watch confusing. It's confusing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're, we're both going to be trackside for Casino. All right, let's talk about the GBOTA Phoenix Series. Uh, it comes to a conclusion at Wentworth Park this Saturday night. Uh, we spoke to Andrew Bell about Cop Magnet, the fastest of the semi-winners, 30-04, and 04, Aston Brack, 30-11, and 11, special blend, 30 and 16, uh, Vamos Penny and 30 and 17. Crowds are dazzled is an early scratching from the final. It drew box two, so Mr. Ticket will move into that. Good odds cash draws box eight for the third run in succession. But I want to ask you this, the track at Wentworth Park, when was the last time a greyhound broke 30 seconds there? Well, it wasn't on uh, Saturday night. Um, nor, the, nor the meeting before yeah, either. So, um, yeah, that was, it, it did play on the slow side Saturday night, I think 30.04, 30.05 or thereabouts. 0.04 was, was the fastest, yeah. 0.04, yeah. Um, on this final, Duke, again, it's it's very competitive. Um, good odds cash. She's, oh, her run was enormous. She bombed the jump and then she had to work early and mid-race to get around into a striking position. She had a bump on the home turn. She then had bumps in the home straight and Aston Barak got up on the inside and uh, he was just a little too good for her. Uh, they're, they're the two leading chances for mine. Aston Barak, he's drawn box five and good odds cash. She's out in the eight, but she's got to begin better than what she she has been in, in recent times. She hasn't really been coming out at all. Um, Cop Magnet drawn the rails. Likely leader, just nails the start each and every time and has got that great early dash. And who could deny, you know, Vamos Penny, she's she's come back in great style. What a 24 hours for uh, the DNP syndicate uh, with Vamos Penny and uh, Chica Destacada and, and uh, Poco Dorado winning all of the awards on, on Sunday at the Greyhound of the Year. So for Pete McDonald and Dennis Donahue and the crew. So they had a, they had a big 24 hours. Billy Creek, this Greyhound, I'll tell you what, He's airborne. He's just he just he's he's just running into a better one at the moment. He uh, is knocking on the door and he's killing me. He's yeah, killing I can imagine he is. I he's can imagine him. he is. He, he, he's a bit frustrated. He's, he's absolutely airborne, and 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 you can't deny a special, uh, special blend either. Um, yeah, it's going. It's flying as well. So all in all, this is a really really good final. I'm leading the way at Good Odds Cash, but she's got to begin better than what she did in the heat. That's for sure. The semi final, I should say. Yeah. All right, so that's the G-Bots uh, Phoenix Series. Of course, 
on Monday with, through the Daily Telegraph, our partners with, with Greyhound Racing New South Wales for our Phoenix selection. They announced the 10 Greyhounds that uh, it's now open for voting. So Bandit Ned, Zipping Curios, Light and Lily, Wow, Cash View, Good Odds Cash, Jungle Juice, Sound of Silence, Fire Legend, and Lewis Rumble. If you down on the bottom of the screen there, I'm sure Kat's put up the tag us through where you go to vote for them. You can vote for them once per day. Uh, the Greyhound uh, with the most amount of votes uh, via the voting selection there through the Daily Telegraph in conjunction with the Greyhound Racing New South Wales selection panel, they will earn their spot in the Phoenix 750,000 of the winner. A lot of creative ways that some of these uh, owners and trainers are uh, promoting their dogs. Uh, the Punners HQ Syndicate, Timmy, uh, yeah. they've gone down the charity uh, pathway, which I'm, I'm really pleased to see. Yeah. Uh, the Gotcha for Life uh, Foundation will be the recipient of, of a share of their prize money. So if Bandit Ned was to be selected as our, as our uh, slot holder and if Bandit Ned wins the Phoenix, uh, the Gotcha for, Life Syndic uh, gotcha for Life Foundation will benefit to the tune of $75,000 and all the way down, no matter what prize money that Greyhound earns, uh, the Gotcha for Life Foundation will receive a share of it. So well done to uh, the Punnets HQ Syndicate, Andy Lord and all the team with Bandit Ned. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Juice, there's a promotion for that. We don't want to just single out two dogs, but as yeah. I say, it's a, a, again, a unique way of coming up with a, with a winner for us. Yeah, it is. And uh, you've got to give them credit, all of the owners, ownership group and everything, particularly with Bandit Ned, who uh, I'm not on social media a great deal, but I've seen a little bit of action on Twitter uh, regarding, you know, trying to get uh, pumping up the votes for Bandit Ned. So that's fantastic. It's great for the sport. As you mentioned, Jungle Juice, and we don't want to just single out these dogs, but Jungle Juice, I know if I, I read the article around uh, Jack donating uh, to charity, charity as well. I think whatever Greyhound uh, we eventually land with is going to be ultra competitive. Wow, look, we know what he's capable of and, and all of the other Greyhounds which are nominated. Lewis Rumble, if he happened to get uh, selected, gee, he, he'd be a, a mighty chance in the race. So, yeah, Duke, this is what I like about this promotion, how we've handled it, Greyhound Race in New South Wales. It's got everyone talking. It's got all these ownership groups out there promoting their own greyhound and promoting the race. That's what it's all about as, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, I think if you, if you actually uh, sort of narrated, you know, uh, reviewed the whole series after the race has run, I would dare say the, our promotion we're running at Greyhound Racing New South Wales has probably got more traction than any other. Um, and I've probably be seen now as being biased of course no, 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 i'm the but, same mate I, but, I haven't seen a lot of, of yeah. interstate stuff doing yeah. what they what we've done and and at the end of the day that's why we came up with this yeah. partnering with news corp we've got daily telegraph coverage we've got digital coverage all of that mate and it is about promoting it it is about promoting our industry it's about promoting new south wales i know it's a victorian race which but, still sort of sits a bit funny with me but yeah. The, the whole point was to promote greyhound racing yeah, and that's about, what we're doing it's about the bigger picture Duke. you yeah. know we can't all just sit back and go oh we're only just going to promote it in our state it is all about the bigger picture and this this is what this race is about and all the other jurisdictions getting involved but you know as as we've just alluded to that you know all of these aren't the, the bandit egg crew they, they, the stack of owners they're getting people involved getting friends voting here and there that 
wouldn't normally be involved. Same with the Jungle Juice crew and all of the others. So it's, it's getting to another audience. And that yep. is what this race is about. Uh, I think it's great. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to uh, the final decision uh, on Monday. So uh, yeah, it's uh, all we do is encourage everyone to get voting uh, and get a jig. You're going to go to a chance to win up to fifty thousand yeah. uh, dollars if you happen to vote. Um, so yeah, it's a great a great promotion, and uh, it's really good to see. You know, really good to see it going well. You know, particularly on the social media uh, platforms. Yeah, the winners, uh, the winner will be announced on Monday in the Daily Telegraph, and of course across all our social media streams. Time now for what's hot. What's not? Proudly brought to you by our great sponsor, Ivory Coat. If you're looking for uh, foods for your companion animals or your race dogs, check out the range from Ivory Coat. Battler, what's hot for you this week? I'll tell you what, Duke, I'm heading to the Pine Bowl. Uh, Nara on Monday just gone, an impressive maiden winner in Impressed Brommel. Ran 29.52, one of the quickest maiden runs ever around Nara. Jeez, went to the top and then just left rivals lamenting one by a a widening, a widening 11 and three quarter lengths, 29.52, 4.42, 16.83, 12 home, did it all the way through, trained by young Billy McGovern, uh, so heavily backed as well, so they got the cash uh, punting wise too, but up to the 500 metres for the first time in its career, had been racing over the 350 and could not have been more impressive. Uh, impressed Brommel, uh, living up to its name, 29.52. It is a greyhound who will be winning many more races uh, yeah. than just its maiden on Monday. It's by Barcia Bale out of Effective Comet Battle, the previous leader to Fernando Bale, through the likes of Impress Raja and Impress Shades, mm. um, who's Macca tells me is absolutely airborne, just about to get back to the track. So, uh, yeah, beautifully bred. I'll tell you what's hot for me, Battler. Pam and Paul Braddon, they prepare their team out at Cowra. Uh, between them this year, they've had just shy of 100 winners. They uh, had a treble at Dubbo on Saturday night. Digger's Magic was the last of those to race. They've had some top dogs, the likes of uh, Falcon's Fury, Marbo's Magic. It's their homebred dam line. And again, it's people like Pam and Paul Braddon uh, that this industry is thankful for because they continue to breed, they continue to be involved. What's more, both Paul, uh, Pam and Paul are very, very good people with greyhounds. Oh, outstanding trainers. There's not a week that probably goes by, Duke, without Pam and Paul winning a race. Uh, they've got a lot of speed greyhounds uh, at the moment. I actually noticed a couple of weeks ago they're having a really, really good trot at the moment. And it's not just really at the moment, it's been all year and even years gone by. So yeah, as you mentioned, uh, they're a great team with a greyhound and, uh, and knock up training winners each and every year. All right, that's what's hot, what's not. Time now to try and put some money in the pockets of our dedicated listeners and viewers. What's your dog to follow, Battler? Greyhound by the name of our Mechanic Duke, won at Maitland on Monday over the 400 metres in 22 and 18. That was following winning in 25.04 over the 450 metres. Uh, straight to the top and just put rolls away with ease. Trained by David Lewis, Endo's Mac out of uh, Destini Soprano. Has had the five runs, four victories, one minor. Gee, I think he'll race uh, through the grades. Um, how far he gets, look, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get to the city in time. He's bred to 
to get over, you know, at least 500 metres. Uh, the dam raced over the 600 metres a couple of times in uh, her career. So our mechanic, David Lewis, I think he's got a nice young greyhound on his hands. And yeah. I think it'll pay to follow that greyhound in the not too distant future. And that 22-18 battle was on a bog track as yeah. well. So they'd had plenty of rain. It's probably a 22-0 run. Yeah. You mentioned that dam line, uh, Destiny Soprano, goes back to Grey's Destiny. And the greyhound that I'm tipping to follow this week is a greyhound by the name of Yuko Girl. Two stars for two wins, uh, trained by Sparrow Sultana. It's by Zambora Brocky out of Yuko. But this is the Norm Rinaldi dam line. It goes back uh, through Destiny Warrior, Grey's Destiny. It produced Group 1 stayers like Destiny Fireball, who won a sale cup, a Group 1 Zoom top, and Albion Park Gold Cup. So you talk about our mechanic uh, getting a bit of ground. The same with Yuko Girl. It's won, she's won both the races over the 400 at Richmond in ultra-impressive style. But, again, moving forward with these dogs, um, they will be I, – I would be shocked if they didn't get the 500, mate, you know. Oh, yeah, you'd think they'll, really, they'll get the 500 easy, yeah. Duke. Uh, but, yeah, Sparrows, he's a, yeah, a good man of a gra- with a greyhound. Uh, he was there on Sunday at the well, greyhound. Well, co-trainer of Flying Ricardo, according to Christy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't that a nice hey, thing? Didn't she give it to him? Didn't she? I allowed him to share in our success or words to yeah. that effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was outstanding. <laughs> yeah, Christy was a star of the show there, some of the yeah. things she produced on uh, on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, nah, it's good to see Sparrow with a, another talented greyhound. He's been a man who's had some flying machines over the years. Outstanding man uh, yeah. with, a, with a dog. So, uh, yeah, that greyhound UK girl, no doubt, will be winning many more races. Huge show, mate. We've got lots, lots coming up in the next few weeks. Stapto Megastar heats are on uh, December the 2nd, so that is uh, Thursday week. Um, today week, next week, whatever day we're recording this. December the 2nd into December the 9th. You and I will be live trackside on final night for Megastar. Huge show, mate. Andrew Bell, we've covered so much, all the Greyhound of the Year stuff. Uh, big weekend coming up. Don't forget, voting for the Phoenix closes at 9am on Sunday. Winners announced on Monday. Battler, been fun as always, brother. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a big week, Duke, but an enjoyable week. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on deck and we do it all again in a week's time. Sure will. Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Behind the Boxes. I'm Mark Duclos. Until next week, good luck and good punning. Catch you then.